welcome to Cinebabble episode 36. I am Ken, and as always is my globetrotting co-host, Clint Jones. Clint, uh, you've just come back from God knows where. Uh, tell the world hello. Hello, world. Um, actually, just down the street, I've gone nowhere. We're in the middle of a pandemic still. <laughs> Actually, was planning to go to Hawaii next week. Not going now. Oh, you're not? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's no good. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, so maybe one day I'll make it out into the world. Yeah, one day you got to use all that Cinnababble money to start really hitting the world and, and doing some traveling, hit those beaches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Clint, I, I, I did a wedding last week. I didn't get married, but uh, I was an officiant. I was going to congratulate you, but Thanks. no reason I, to. I now. was an officiant at this wedding. I was the MC at this wedding, at the reception. DJ? And I was, yeah, sort of. You're spinning um, the wrecks? A little bit. And, and I was sort of the the unofficial dad of the day. And I, I came to an epiphany about weddings. Yeah. And that is this. Weddings exist to test the friendship between the bride and everyone else. <laughs> hmm. And yeah, I guess if you stick around after that day, yep. then yeah, you are yeah, our you're, friend. You're true friends. Yeah. Uh, because because this this poor girl had in her mind exactly what she wanted her wedding to be. It was a, it was a lovely wedding. It was a wonderful wedding. But you could see those moments mm-hmm. where it wasn't precisely what she was dreaming it would be, and uh, a little little cracks in the fissure there. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just, just trying to like fill it in with gold. Like it's okay. Yes. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, man, weddings are something else. Uh, yeah. just, there's an enormous amount of money and time and investment into what flies by very quickly. And, uh, so much know. thought goes into it. I so know. many months of planning. I know. I absolutely, I still, your wedding, I hold in, in my top three weddings. That's, that's one of those. It was almost cinematic. It was, uh, it was, it it was it like all. an indie movie. It yeah. really was. Yeah, it had, it all. It had a nice hailstorm at the end of it. After <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic though. It, <laughs> Hundred I'm, degree I'm being heat. Serious. Yeah, it wasn't that hot. It was that hot. Was it that? I hot? I think it was like the hottest day that summer. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I was so enamored. It was such a great wedding that well, I just don't, I don't remember. I'm glad you don't. I don't remember, remember that it part. being hot. I do remember your uh, your brother running out into the rain with his then girlfriend, who he broke up with, like. I don't know. Very, minutes, very soon after. Minutes after. They had this amazing romantic comedy moment in the rain. And I was just like, these kids are going to be forever. <laughs> just forever. And uh, I think it was a week later, you were just like, yeah, he dumped her. <laughs> Man. Oh, young love. Uh, I know. Seriously. But yeah. when you have a movie moment like that, you got to gotta grab a hold. That's true. I mean, you can't really top that moment anyway. So no. might as well like, eh. I guess. It's well, over. Yeah. I, that's fine point. Mm-hmm. So, Clint, what you been watching about this week? Oh, well, besides um, hours and hours of Star Trek genera- Next Generation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? what sent you down that rabbit hole? Well, um, I've actually tried it numerous times and, okay. and I always enjoy it, but it's just, you know, one of those things that you fall off of. Yeah. But you turned me on to um, the latest Discovery, uh, Discovery yeah. and Picard, mm-hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed both of those. Awesome. Um, and I've been watching the um, the lower lower decks. Lower decks is so good. I know it's so funny. It's my comfort thing right it now. It Really is. So um, I was like, I need to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through all of um, Next Generation. I'm, first and second season included. 
Oh yeah, because those are the rougher ones. Oh, I so. I'm st- I just finished the first season. I still really enjoyed awesome. it. There's some really classic episodes. There really in, are in yeah. that um, yeah. that have probably some of them that I remembered the most from my childhood. Like really, yeah. See, the one I remember the absolute most is the one where. Uh, Picard gets taken and the – I think it was a Cardassian keeps trying to um, uh, convince him that there are, are four lights instead of three lights. Oh, uh, yeah. They're torturing him and I, I – that's that's the episode that sticks out. I, I don't have much more to say other than I now realize I said Cardassian, and I can't remember if the Star Trek alien is Cardassian it's or Cardassian. Tar- it's Cardassians. Cardassians. Yeah. So the Cardassians <laughs> are like Kim and all of them. Mm-hmm. Cardassians. Are they? They're Cardassians? They're the- <laughs> so the Star Trek alien is Cardassian. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're all the same. They're just tyrants looking to rule the galaxy. So yeah. aside from Star Trek Next Generation, what else have you been watching? Um, the other night I watched a really cool animated sh- uh, movie that recently came out called Crypto Zoo, um, directed by Dash Shaw. He did, he did a movie called My Entire High School is Sinking into the Sea. Did you ever see that? I did see that, and I actually just watched the trailer for, for Crypto Zoo. Yeah. Because I couldn't decide if it was something that was worth my time or not, just from that that trailer. Did you like my entire— Yes. Uh, okay, you. I think you'll really—I okay. like this more than really? that. I think it's okay. much more put together in the animation. Hmm. Like, I like that indie animation style a lot. Kind of that stocky— uh, yeah, like outsider art, you, mm-hmm. indie comic stuff. Because yeah. he's a comic writer, and um, this one I think is a lot more—it's a lot more put together. The animation is more consistent throughout, and mm-hmm. it's much—it's definitely that outsider art, like kind of this folk arty style mm-hmm. to it. And his um, wife did all the character designs for all of the okay. crypto um, characters, mm-hmm. and it. It's got a really pulpy feel to it, so there's a. It's you think it's going to be a very artsy um, storyline, and it's going to be kind of hard to get into it. But it's very pulpy and action packed, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's so I don't know vibrant and like so much um, just creativity like involved in it. I I really enjoyed it, and I actually went back and watched. Um, my entire high school is sinking okay. to the sea right it's, afterwards. It's been half a minute since I have, I've watched that one. So. I think you'll enjoy this one more. Okay. Uh, if you enjoyed that one, I think I you'll did. definitely did. enjoy this one. Okay. Um, I think that was one I, I even I – hadn't, I hadn't watched it at the time. I think I watched it early pandemic or – Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I finally caught up to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that was really great. I, I really enjoyed that. And, okay. Um, also, Jenny and I, we watched um, The Chair on Netflix, which is a six-part series starring um, – it's got Sandra Oh from Killing Eve, okay. and uh, she was on Grey's Anatomy, Once Upon a Time. Okay. I had I had read briefly about her in whatever limited series she was in, but mm-hmm. I I have very little knowledge about it. What's, what's The Chair about? Well, the, like the little headline for it is a uh, major university a, at a major university, the first woman of color to become chair tries to meet the dizzying, dizzyingly demands of high expect, expectations of a failing English department. Okay. So she is just it she, comedy drama. It's a comedy drama. It's really funny. It's got Jay Duplass who plays another English department um, okay. teacher and their their friendship, and he kind of 
like makes a misstep early on in the season and he's kind of trying to hold on to his job and okay. she's trying to balance her friendship with him and what the right thing to do for the department is. Okay. And it's it's really funny. And like there's a really nice mix of characters who play the other um, teachers and they're like older people who are kind of on their way out but don't want to change with the times. And there's newer teachers who are trying to push the English department into a more modern way of teaching. Mm-hmm. And there's that clash between the two. And I... I'm, I, it was nice to have because there's a lot of Netflix series where they're stay they outstay their welcome. Yeah, where they're like too, it just feels like they've drawn it out too much. Yeah. Too many episodes. Yeah, there's too many episodes and there's not enough happening. You could tell they're just padding it out. But mm-hmm. this one, it's so packed and okay. it's six episodes and it's get to the end and I was just like, man, I really want more of that. Um, but all the characters are really rich. They do a really good job balancing the comedy and the dramatic beats so that you mm-hmm. kind of care about what the characters are going through. But it's not heavy-handed. It's really subtly done. Um, so it's a fast watch, too. We watched it like because they're only like a half hour long. Mm-hmm. Um, so we blew through it. And I okay. was— You said six episodes? Yeah, six episodes. Um so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think you would like it, especially yeah. becoming from an English background. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think you would probably pick up on a lot of like, oh, I know that teacher <laughs> and I know what they're um, mm-hmm. trying to hint at here. Okay. So right. yeah. I'll what, check it out. What have you been watching about? Uh, so actually, I I went to the theater twice <laughs> and uh, the first time was good. It was nice and empty. And so mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was about to be infected. Uh, the second time was less pleasant and there were too many people, and I sat there wearing my mask, and just it. Did you go to our local theater? Yes, the yeah. second time it was our local theater. Yeah, and I did not enjoy our local theater. Where uh, Clint and I are currently waiting for our our local kind of more independent theater to reopen. Uh, so right now we're stuck with with a Regal uh, Cinemas yeah, at, the mall. at the mall. Yeah, and I was in a theater. They they had the the electric reclining seats and everything, mm-hmm. except they were very strange, narrow, and stiff. Oh, okay. And so it wasn't comfortable at all. It was, it new, was actually worse. It was totally yeah, new. But... The whole thing looks like they're trying to make uh, the theater that you'll find in the 22nd century. Okay, as <laughs> uh, a little. A little overdone. Yeah. But uh, I, I just uh, – the whole theater experience, uh, I, I did not enjoy. I, I'm just not a fan of Regal. But anyway, uh, the first movie we went to see was Free Guy mm-hmm. with Ryan Reynolds. Now, I know you are, are having a little bit of a divorce with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, um, just a little bit. Just not enjoying him so much because no. he's fairly one note. Yeah, I've kind of picked up on his um, way of acting mm-hmm. recently, and I'm just noticing it like, oh, that's, that's what he does. Yeah. And so I've had my fill for the moment. Well, and and so the the groom of the wedding that I was in, mm-hmm. uh, he had had his kind of bachelor party with all of his guys. And my son, who's 16, was also one of the groomsmen, mm-hmm. obviously couldn't go off for the weekend with them. And so we we took the groom to see Free Guy. And it was uh, it was the groom and then my 16-year-old son and his 16-year-old friend and myself. Yeah. And we absolutely lost our minds. We had such <laughs> a good time with this movie. It is so much better and more clever than it has any business being, mm-hmm. I I even think you would enjoy it. It's it's light on the Ryan Reynolds. He's he's kind of the the straight man of the whole story. Okay, and so all the craziness revolves around him. He's still very much doing his kind of one note Ryan Reynolds thing, mm-hmm. but it's not the harsher Ryan Reynolds. It's this kind of 
average dopey, uh, just just kind of down to earth mm-hmm. uh, character, and it it reminded me a lot of the Lego Movie. Oh, okay. okay. It uh, it had that same vibe, uh, even down to it has kind of a real world story that's running parallel to this story of this NPC in this video game world that sort of gains sentience and starts to figure out how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's a little too saccharine and sweet at times, but you could tell they were doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. It has Taika Waititi. I saw, I saw him in the trailer, but I wasn't sure. He's he... the villain. Oh, okay. And it's incredible. He <laughs> is this, he's not a programmer on mm-hmm. the outside world. He's just this, uh, this owner of this video game company who takes advantage of his employees, but he's in full, uh, just Hitler mode. Okay. And, but he's real trendy yeah. and he's on the cutting edge of everything. And he yells at all of his employees and he was just an absolute delight. <laughs> and that's one of the things, uh, Jody Comer from, um, uh, Killing Eve okay. is, uh, kind of the female protagonist right. in this. And it has a really good cast. Uh, it's, it's a really fun movie that has has quite a lot of of just laughs for anybody who's ever played a video game. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, uh, Ryan Reynolds plays a bank teller and he goes to the bank every day and uh, here come people breaking into the bank because it's a video game and they just lay down on the floor and chat with each other with the security guard and different things like that because, you know, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Just little things. Um, but yeah, free guy, just much better. That had any business being. Check mm. it out when it when it comes out and you don't have to pay for it somewhere. Okay. You you might actually enjoy it. Hmm. I was curious about it, but no. yeah. I like I said, it was clever enough yeah. that it it really kept me going. And there's enough happening, it almost feels like more of an ensemble movie okay. than a Ryan Reynolds movie. Yeah. Um, and it's got some fantastic cameos in there, Channing Tatum and Chris Evans and mm. It's just, it's, you can tell they had a blast making it. Mm-hmm. The second movie I went to the theater to see is Shang-Chi, which is the latest MCU Marvel film. Okay. And I can say without a doubt, you would have disliked this movie. Yeah. <laughs> everything. I mean, literally everything you have complained about Marvel movies doing. Yeah. This movie did. Mm. Um, and I, I genuinely think I, – I, I don't think you would have hated it. Yeah. I think you would have had a decent time. But I think it would have just affirmed everything mm. that that you already think up to and including the why did we go so big in CG at the end. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it doesn't stay as small as it really should. But it was a good time. The fight choreography was fantastic mm. and, and quite fun. The characters were really good. The villain um, was really interesting. Because he's not a typical baddie. He's somebody uh, – he's a, a dad and a husband that's suffering grief hmm. from the loss of shang mother. Okay. And so there's uh, – you know, there's something calling to him and he believes it's his wife mm-hmm. that's been imprisoned. But, you know, as story goes, you find out there's something darker there, essentially just pulling his strings, trying to manipulate him. But it's it's really a movie about grief and what we do with grief it's a movie about um, legacy and legend and story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was a little irritated at times. There's a lot of exposition, a lot of oh, just okay. one character telling another character a story. Mm-hmm. I get it though. It's yeah. it's very heavy on Chinese lore, and that's that's a very important part of that culture. And so I I understood what they were doing. I just I wanted much more of a can you can you just show me instead of telling right. me right yeah. Um, but it, it was a solid MCU entry. The characters are great. I just 
I think this would further your growing disdain for comic book movies. <laughs> yeah, I've come to the conclusion I just maybe need to get into the mindset of watching the ones I really have interest in yeah. and then not having to feel like I need to be a part of every single story part of it maybe and that was the cool thing the one thing that i was really relieved to see is that you could tell by the way they were making this movie that one you didn't need any other mcu knowledge okay to enjoy this film and two if you decided this is just not my thing Mm -hmm. you don't need it and i i think the more they lean into that just like going into a comic shop you don't have to read every marvel comic yeah to be able to enjoy you know that time where they have a crossover Mm -hmm. Uh, and as as long as they they keep their wits about them and they make sure that characters uh, that you may not be familiar with are being sort of in a clever way reintroduced in the larger movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it would be fine. I, th- I thought of that watching something like Endgame. I don't think you need to have seen the Ant-Man movies to have enjoyed Paul Rudd as Ant-Man in Endgame. I mean, it certainly helps yeah. your enjoyment if you've seen those, but – uh, at the same time, they did a good job of just – you sort of learned to roll with it. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there's some character and I'm not totally familiar with them, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So as long mm-hmm. as they keep doing that. Okay. Other than those two, I have uh, been at the mercy of a game called Hades. Have you heard of this game? I don't think so. No. It's you essentially uh, – you're, you're playing Zagreus, the son of Hades. Okay. And you're trying to fight your way out of the underworld because you hate your father. Mm-hmm. And you play the same levels over and over again as you get more powerful. But as you move through the levels, you have all kinds of randomized uh, god icons that pop up. Zeus, Poseidon, mm-hmm. uh, Artemis, all of these things. And so you have a different string of powers every time you're trying to run through. And the story unfolds the same way. Lots of just kind of background lore and it's a blast. It's it's mm. a very traditional arcade experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's enough indie element to it. It's it's just a ton of fun. It won all kinds of Game of the Year awards mm. last year. Uh, that's how I ended up uh, once it dropped on Xbox. And unfortunately, that has uh, has inhibited my what you watching. <laughs> Because I've been uh, playing a little too much. Oh, that's which, fair. Yeah, I mean, you know. I just downloaded the um, extra content for Ghost of Tsushima. So mm. I'm really looking forward to diving into that. So that okay. might. Ghost of Tsushima is one I, I just, I didn't. Oh. It came and went and I played it and loved it, but didn't get far into it. And other things just in life and. I loved and, it. And media happened. I just never got back to it. Yeah, I loved it. It was so good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to the movies that we're reviewing today, I just want to remind everybody, you can contact us at uh, cinebabblecast.com. Our email address is contact at cinebabblecast.com. You can contact us there. You can find us on Instagram at cinebabble. Uh, which Clint just loves Instagram. And, uh, but any any way you want to get a hold of us, uh, requests are always fun, feedback's always fun, and appreciate your comments. Those are always a blast to read. Um, also, if you have not already, if you're listening to this and you have not uh, written a review on Apple Podcasts or Amazon or Audible or anything like that, throw us a review. A kind uh, review. A kind review. Yes. Yeah, if, Here's here's the basic thing. If you don't have something awesome to say, send us an email 
and say, hey, here's what I don't like about you, which – Constructively. Constructively, yes, uh, which is weird because I don't know why you'd be listening to us every week if if you don't enjoy it. But then if you really enjoy us, throw a review up there. Uh, always appreciated. Helps us in the search engines and all that good stuff, algorithms and whatnot. Mm. But, you love those uh, algorithms. Again, if if you really hate us and you really don't like us, I don't know why you're taking time to write a paragraph about it. Just stop listening and go find another podcast. It's okay. Yeah. You're not going to hurt our feelings. No. It's all right. So, Just go live your lives yeah. to the fullest. Yeah. So www.cinebabblecast.com, contact at cinebabblecast.com. Or uh, you can just message us on Instagram, uh, pretty active there, and and always answering people. So um, that's that's basically how to contact us. There you go. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I don't know. I don't have much more to say than that. I don't think you have to. I think you, <laughs> I think you got to the point of it. All right. Today we are reviewing a uh, slew of new releases. Uh, we're talking about Reminiscence, which is on HBO Max and in theaters right now, starring Hugh Jackman. We're talking about Man of God, starring Elijah Wood. Demonic, from the director of District... Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Blom, Blom. District 9, right? Yeah. I always get confused when I say that because there was also that movie from Luc Besson called District 13. And mm. my brain always wants to say 13, but it's 9. It's 4 better. Yeah. And then our Cinebabble, or Cinebabble, our Cinetron pick from last week, a little indie flick called Lapsus. But let's start with Reminiscence. Uh, Reminiscence stars Hugh Jackman as Nick Bannister. He's a private investigator of the mind, and he navigates the darkly alluring world of the past by helping his clients access lost memory. Clint, uh, what did you think of Reminiscence? Reminiscence. Reminiscence. Oh, well, this was written and directed by Lisa Joy, who's um, one of the co-creators of Westworld. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of definitely see that in it. Uh-huh. There's definitely an overlap in some of the s- story elements and things she likes to do. I did not like this movie, Ken. Thank goodness, because I hated this movie. Man, uh, um, I there's so many elements to it that were so annoying and just frustrating. I um. It's too long. Mm-hmm. It is boring. Mm-hmm. None of the characters are fun or interesting. Like I, I care or less. Or emotionally consistent. Uh, emo- yeah, emotionally consistent. Um, the whole logic behind how the reminiscence machine works is stupid. Like, first off, okay, you're going into the 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 memory of these people. And it's showing the memory like the cinematic scene, but that's not how memory works. Not how memory works at all. It would it's be not from a, the. It would ahead. be from the person's perspective. Yeah. You wouldn't be seeing anything outside of what they're seeing because you. How would they know this? Yeah. And that was so frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like in because they use it in ways to um, like continue the mystery of where this woman went, and. And so they hold off on showing things to the end, but it's things that like you would see immediately because they're they're showing it from a person's perspective right from the, the get-go. And so you shouldn't have that mystery. Yeah. So those kind of things, it was just completely like pulling my attention away from any emotional stakes that you're that that they were trying to get across. 
And so I, I was just frustrated the entire time. And it was just boring. I was so boring. And there's another movie in this uh, group, that, and I won't say which yet, that you had hinted that you hated. And <laughs> I hated this movie so much more. Yeah, this was way worse than, than I, the other one. It was so we'll much worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be average and maybe there'd be fun stuff in mm -hmm. it, but it was so boring. I just, I was like, please be over. This is one of those movies that they're, they're so problematic and they're so sloppy mm -hmm. and inconsistent. I don't understand how it got the cast it has how it had the budget it had, how it's and, – and maybe thoughts. this is something that sort of fell apart because of COVID setting in because uh, I know it's it's sort of getting a later release and, and maybe that just took a toll. But it really feels haphazard and yeah. kind of slapped together and it desperately – I mean desperately wants to be a kind of neo-noir inception. Yep. And it does not have the internal logic – or, or the the story flow or the characters to, to support it in any way. No. Um, so many things. There, there are so many moments where the tone shifts mm -hmm. abruptly and for no reason. There's a, there's a shootout at one point, possibly yep. one of the absolute worst scenes in this entire movie. There's this sudden uh, – Super action-packed moment in the middle of all of – yeah, That doesn't make any sense. No. It's, very, it's very like 90s comic book movie yeah. shootout. And just bullets flying everywhere and characters that should definitely be dead that aren't dead. And some sort of, you know, there's slow-mo jumping and just what, where's this? Yeah. Where did this movie come from? Uh, and, and other things. And it never happens again, really. No. No, it's it's this one scene that feels like a completely different mm -hmm. team of filmmakers came in and shot this scene and then left. Uh, and, and other things. I just found myself... Early on, asking questions seemed to have no answer. And later on, these same questions would pop into my mind and I would just shove them aside because by that point, I realized this movie doesn't care. This mm -hmm. movie is not interested in giving answers that make sense outside of that moment. Mm -hmm. it, it has a lot of here's a line to explain uh, the question you have, but it, it – cohesion wise it, it has no bearing on anything else in the movie this is one where the plot shifts as you need it to yeah rather than it feeling like an organic world or an organic technology or or anything that that seems to uh have a bearing on the story yeah and then on top of that you have this weird kind of ham-fisted uh global warming uh message kind of packed in there which i don't mind but it doesn't match the story and and it's more to give i guess just sort of an, an idea of the time period and, and what the world's going through but they return to it so much i kept waiting for like what's what's this have to say that that's going on in the movie yeah i know and that was one of the elements outside of the movie like I would have liked because mm -hmm. I like that setting of mm -hmm. everything's underwater, the yeah. city's underwater, and you're getting around by boats because it was an interesting setting. It, visually, it's, visually, it's really it's interesting, interesting. But they don't do enough with it and it doesn't play into the story in any way. And I was reading, um, I don't know, it might have been on IMDb. It's like goofs. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how if Miami is underwater mm -hmm. like it is in the movie – and he's traveling to Louisiana or whatever. Yep. 
the water level there, I can't remember exactly how many more feet below sea level. Oh, yeah. Louisiana would be completely gone. covered. So th- it was just like things that outside of logic that just they played because they wanted to see it that way. I, I had a very difficult time just keeping my focus and attention Me too. on it because there are just things about it. And that's one of those things that's hard to put your finger on yeah. exactly what it is other than when things are so inconsistent and and just uh, incohesive in and things like that, you can, you can feel your brain just being bored with it and tired yeah. of it because to put the work into watching something at a higher level is pointless if you realize that what you're watching doesn't actually matter. Right. And and I not once during this movie did I have that moment that that really good sci-fi flicks give you of that suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. I I never felt that I could just trust the filmmakers and fall into the story and enjoy the world they were setting up because every red flag in my brain was just firing up as as a well wait what about this what about this what about this and that's that's you know death to a sci-fi movie for sure and not to like spoil ahead but um i mean this will be jumping ahead a bit to what we talk about later mm-hmm. but lapsus i i think handled it's so much better and such a smaller scale. Not the same storyline or anything, no. but like a sci-fi movie. Like I was along for the ride the entire time and believed it. And this one, like from the get-go, I was just off the train. <laughs> but and yes, jumping ahead, but but Lapsus creates a world and lets you figure out the world as it goes. Reminiscence is is eager to explain every nook and cranny to you, and that's where it loses its footing. Yeah. Because there are things in Lapsus, I'm sure if they just started trying to explain everything, you'd get the same thing. A lot of it is you have to know where to just let your world exist. And there can just be mystery in your world. That's fine. You well, don't and, have to explain everything because the more you explain, the more it feels like a story. Yeah. And that's like trusting that your audience is smart enough to fill in those yep. gaps. But this one, I don't think they did. And I think they didn't maybe trust themselves enough to like think that people could follow along. Like, Because it's just, I mean, it's so outside of like logic that... I feel like every time they're explaining something, it's like they're trying to like cover mm-hmm. their tracks in a way. Yeah. It it was very frustrating. Yeah. I did not enjoy it at all. And uh and yes, there's there's another movie we're gonna talk about today that that I also didn't enjoy and thought, you know, it was just a mess, but this was this was far more uh just problematic and and just far less entertaining. Um and had I at the end of the day, I, I feel like it it had less potential. Um, even even watching it the whole time, I was thinking, well, even if Reminiscence's script was up to par, would this be an interesting story? And I, I just I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about the story. I didn't understand the fascination between Hugh Jackman's character and this woman that he just randomly falls head over heels in love with. Right. And I, I get they were going for a noir kind of thing, uh, you know, a detective in the day. Uh, but that felt forced too. Yeah. I mean, the whole voiceover, like classic mm-hmm. noir thing was really frustrating and just like felt yeah. like it was slapped on there. One thing I was thinking that could have been fun with the whole idea, idea of going into somebody's memories 
is if they really did stick to that idea of it's the person's point of view, yeah. kind of like a being John Malkovich. So mm -hmm. it's very like um, like pinpoint focus on mm -hmm. things and it's the whole trail of like, okay, I need to get this person's memory to cover the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and they do that a bit, but it's never interesting. And it's just like, and they, the whole... Th well, at one point they mentioned that memory isn't reliable but they never do anything with that. Right. And I I really, to try to solve a mystery where you're getting people's memories, but you also know that memory is skewed. Yeah. And that what you are seeing may not actually be true. It may right. just be what a person remembers, especially when it's on the periphery. Yeah. And, you know, there are all these things that that are sort of introduced and go nowhere. And if, if they would have really been playing with memory, I think it would have made for a far more interesting sort of detective tale. Yeah. Well, another frustrating thing, and this could be slightly spoiler-ish, is how the woman he falls in love with like plays into the storyline mm -hmm. and what she actually like means to the whole um, mystery of it. And... <sighs> Feels very manufactured. It's, it's manufactured, but... And how she manufactures her memories mm -hmm. is not how memories work. No. Like she, there's no way that she could do that. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? You know what part I'm talking about? I know about? exactly what you're talking about there and at the so end. And so that was completely frustrating. Yeah. And how they kind of tie in, like there's a very Westworld thing they do towards the end where it causes this um, kind of social uprising mm -hmm. when something is revealed. Yeah. And I completely lost folk, like, like, how is this a... Well, and they've spent the whole movie talking about how it's a failing business and people aren't coming and people aren't paying him, but then somehow it's going to have this huge social impact. And and even that, what you're establishing at the beginning, completely contradicts what you're trying to do at the end. Uh, it just, it, it felt like there wasn't a good through line in the script. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it... I, I would 100% even free on HBO Max. I wish I would have completely avoided this. Uh, it was it was so much worse than I thought. Like yeah. I thought it'd be forgettable and like it's got Hugh Jackman and there might be some fun sci-fi elements, but it it, it didn't even have that. Like yeah. it, it made me like Hugh Jackman less in some way. Yeah. Uh. Well, our next movie is from director Amber Seeley, and it's called No Man of God, and it stars Elijah Wood. And uh, the, the plot synopsis is just sentenced to death by the – or by electrocution, serial killer Ted Bundy develops a strange and complicated relationship with FBI agent Bill Hagmeyer, that's Elijah Wood, uh, while detailing his crimes. Clint, what did you think of No Man of God? Um, well, I, I'm a – pretty big fan of like true crime stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, I watched that whole um, Ted Bundy documentary series that mm -hmm. was on Netflix a few years ago. I never did see the movie that that director made with, um, what's his name? Oh, uh, um, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. It was good. It was good. Was it good? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I am interested in Ted Bundy. I'm interested in serial killers and all that stuff. I am a big fan of Elijah Wood mm -hmm. and I, um, Going into it, I I had that to kind of hold on to, um, and that made me excited from the trailer. But I I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was I I love a two hander where a movie can sit you in a room, and just from the sheer like skill of the actors 
and the content of the story like propel like this could have been a, a two-person play like you, you could do this on stage and you really could and something that can maintain a story with that few of elements is always so impressive to me um i think luke kirby is so eerie as ted bundy like his like he plays um on uh, marvelous miss mazel um lenny bruce and he's fantastic in that. I'm not super familiar with Lenny Bruce outside of like, you know, his controversy at the time of, you know, the language he used. And but I, I I'm sure just from the sheer performance in this that he is definitely doing a lot with Lenny Bruce in that show because he is he picks up his mannerisms perfectly, like his voice. Um there are moments of dialogue where that he's giving in this that are so chilling that I I was on board. Um I think Elijah I don't know too much about Elijah Wood, the like Bill Hagmeyer, his the the real person, but I'm sure he I liked what he did with him. Um I I was a fan of this movie. I liked it. What do you think of it? I I love this movie. This yeah. is easily in my top ten of the year. Really, possibly top five. Uh, if if you would not have told me who made this movie, I would have thought it was a, a very small Fincher flick. Oh uh, yeah, because it was so tonally in line with something like Zodiac. Well, I mean, um, it, it's that Mindhunter, like yep, Mindhunter like, Zodiac. Yeah. It just I I would have been convinced, and usually I'm pretty good at identifying a director. I would have been convinced that this was a Fincher flick, mm-hmm. uh, especially you know more on the scale of like a, a Steve Jobs kind of thing. Right. Um. Uh, wait, was that Fincher? No, that no, wasn't that, Fincher that at was all. Danny that was Boyle. um. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know where that popped into my head, but um, it was just it was so, it was so simple. Mm-hmm. But so suspenseful and so eerie, and and the performances certainly had something to do with that. Luke Kirby had such control yeah. over his Ted Bundy that I it's it's one of those movies I genuinely very early on forgot I was watching an actor. I know. I, yeah. I really felt like it it started to blur that line mm-hmm. into this almost feels like a documentary. Yeah. This almost feels like I'm watching footage of an actual interview between these actual people. And, you know, you're still aware of the fact that you're watching actors, but incredible performance. And Elijah Wood, um, who, you know, it's tough because Elijah Wood's not surprising here, but that's because he's such a good actor already. Right, right. And so I'm already coming to the table understanding that, Elijah Wood knows how to get into somebody's head and really give you somebody that feels like a real person. You pair that with Luke Kirby's uh, performance, and it was just – it was dynamic. Uh, even when they would just be sitting there talking, mm-hmm. it, there there would be moments of just sudden emotional shifts yeah, or sudden character shifts, especially in Bundy, where you really felt like – uh, almost almost like Grizzly Man, where no matter how much this person has embedded themselves and thinks of themselves as a friend of this person, right. that at any moment this person could kill them. Yeah. That, that there, there's a very real danger in the room. I know. And I totally bought into that. Like the whole time I was – I mean, you know where the story is going, but I was worried for the Bill Hagmeyer yeah. played Elijah Wood's character. I was worried for them, like, because there are moments of where Ted Bundy explodes, yeah. and I really felt that and, like, felt the danger of that. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Elijah Wood's performance compared to something in, like, 
in uh, Mindhunter where mm-hmm. like he's much more subtle and in that show I feel like it's much more um it's like a flat they're flashier performances mm-hmm. in a way and I feel like his performance is much more real world and you get a really sense of like he's this normal guy who really just wants to understand yeah. I appreciate that there wasn't a lot at his workplace. There wasn't a lot at yeah. home. There wasn't all of this this kind of uh, you know concocted drama. Yeah. To yeah. to try to make you invested in his character. It was just uh, you know here's a simple. It's 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 literally a here's a man of God and here's the you know no man of God and you're putting him in a room. And it was it was just it was so interesting to watch. I even stylistically, the film had me. Yeah. Normally, I am one of my pet peeves is one of the things that this movie does, where in between conversations or in between major scenes, there are these stylized moments where it's it's flashing different footage on the screen, mm-hmm. or you're seeing just Elijah Wood driving and he's having different thoughts. And you've got uh, music that's different than the rest of the movie and things like that. Normally, that would irritate me. But this was so well done. It was almost like a place setting for the next scene in or the, what in they the were coming passing off of. And, it, it gave yeah. you time passage. Yeah. It really kept that. Those scenes were so eerie to me. Yeah, because especially unsettling. with the combination of the music, yep. it really gave that feeling of the danger inside of Ted Bundy and like almost like what he was outside in the real world. Like this just jaggedy, like, I don't know, just like animal, like prowling around and like what was in his mind. Like, um, well, and it's seeing all these happy home movies overlaid with what you know very, it's actually about. Right. But like interspersed with very like sexual images. Um, but I also really liked how the brought in other characters and like kind of the woman who is was she her his lawyer yes. or, and she's kind of using him to propel hit her um like mission of getting the death sentence um abolished mm-hmm. so there's these other characters coming in and they're kind of using ted to push their own agendas kind of like what's his name from um, dobson dobson James coming dobson. in to push his agenda on like pornography mm-hmm. and and how they kind of intersperse that with um, Elijah Wood's um, character and how you – is is he really, like, using him or, like, is he really just so interested in understanding? Yeah. And I like how they had that contrast of these people, how they're mm-hmm. all kind of using Ted Bundy for their own purposes, but Elijah Wood, like, really isn't. He yeah. just really is sticking by him to understand well, and that's what was so jarring because early on, there are these close-up shots of Bundy's chains and yeah, how yeah. how those chains are the only thing keeping him, you know, from, from Elijah Wood and, right. and just inches away from him and things like that. That was so clever because by the end, they're just in a room together. Mm-hmm. Bundy isn't chained and, and Hagmeyer is yelling at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are having a, a drawn-out fight. Right. And at any point, that was, I, that was getting to me. Mm-hmm. I even know this guy lives. I know, you know, just history and things like that. This is a real person that went on to do other things. Right. But the whole time, I'm like, he's he's just going to pounce on him. Right. Uh, there's no guards in the room. There's no anything. And to have that that two man play that has that level of danger so constantly, I I really the whole time I'm watching this movie. 
I'm in kind of pre-panic attack mode where oh, I yeah, just yeah. felt felt that that tension and that that unnerving sensation. Yeah, me too. Especially, man, they do so much. Like the the director um, Amber Seeley, like does so much with the little like space that they're in yeah. as far as cinematography. That like you're you're talking about the chains, but they also where Ted is talking to um, Elijah Wood's character or Bill Hagmeyer and how they shot like him hiding kind of behind his hands yep. and he'll move from one side to the next. Yeah. And that, that, that shot was so eerie because like he's kind of, he's hiding behind himself yeah. and in himself. And like, they do so many things like that and use the space so well. And, and you can uh, never tell when he's acting, when he's right, being right. truthful, yeah. when he's being genuine, there are times he's childlike and then that's all ploy. There's times suddenly the animal side of him really rushes to the surface and mm -hmm. uh, and and Elijah Wood uh, to his credit i mean it's not just his direct performance is his reaction to Luke Kirby's performance right because you can you can feel somebody that is desperate to keep a a certain face on but mm -hmm. at the same time they understand who they're in the room with right right um, it just it this this was an incredible movie to me. It was such a performance piece, and it was such a a small and quiet uh, version of of something that was dealing with much much bigger things. As opposed to Reminiscence, Reminiscence is this big movie that I felt like it didn't have really anything at the core. Yeah, this is a movie that feels huge, mm -hmm. even though it's just two guys in you know maybe three or four rooms. Especially since like they don't go into the crimes at all, the grizzly no. like any of the grisly details or anything, but you feel that that it happened and it really um, it, it feels very real that and um, well and and not to go into the end too much, but there's a scene at the end where where Bundy finally says, you know, okay, I'll he, he basically agrees to describe what it's like to be him when he's hunting. That that scene destroyed me. Mm -hmm. That was that was so uncomfortable and so and he's he's not even being that graphic. It wasn't about what he was describing. It was the way he was describing it, and right. the ways the way he's grabbing Bill's hands and mm -hmm. the way he's just oh. There is a really nice uh, and another little touch too, because there's moments throughout where. There are women in the background, or there's um, yeah. women like on the street. There's and like just around, and Bill will notice them in a certain way. And he's in his head. He's trying to get in the head of Ted, and he's contemplating the idea of like, could I do these crimes, or like yeah. who who could commit these crimes? And so he'll notice women in certain ways. And you kind of get towards the end where it's like these women are like all the women of his crimes are represented in this very yeah. abstract way. And I thought that was such a smart way of like still not forgetting the victims of the crimes. There's there's a scene where James Dobson comes in mm -hmm. very opportunistic right. to just take care or to to take advantage of Bundy for what he can do. And there's this shot where instead of focusing on Dobson and Bundy and the conversation they're having, there is this girl and she's, I guess, Dobson's assistant or or his producer yeah, or for PA this interview or something. Or something. Yeah. She's standing there and the camera slow, I mean, slow as it can possibly yeah. zoom, 
very, very slowly zooms in on her mm -hmm. and you're just watching her horror at listening to what's being described. And in the background, you hear these guys, even Dobson is kind of laughing and they're having a, a totally different toned conversation where Dobson has forgotten the victims and he's just thinking about the opportunity and Bundy's forgotten the victims. He's just right. talking about who he is. But there's this girl just horrified. Right. And it spends a solid, I don't know, three, four minutes just zooming in on her. Yeah, and then so off uncomfortably of long. Yeah. yeah. And at any point, I'm like, she's she's going to like, run out of, run the out of yeah, this room. I was she's waiting for that. She's going to flee. Yeah. Um, and she just she kind of held her own, but just moments like that were so powerful. Yeah, uh, and and shifted the focus in a way that that was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. I just everything about this movie was so so competent and confident, and and just it, it really knew what it was doing. Yeah, um, and have you seen any of her other films? No, I have, I have not. I haven't either. Yeah. But this made me really interested to kind of see what else she's done. I know, and I I um I was curious if she has that um, stylistic like flair in her other movies, you know, mm -hmm. in, the in-between stuff, like the yeah. very flashy images, um, just to see if that's something she carried over. Yeah. Um, I also really enjoyed kind of the unceremonious end to the movie. Yes. Because that just felt very yep. real and like uh, he's, he did what he was there to do, Bill. Yep. And, um, and he's just moves on. Yeah. It just kind of ends and it's like just yeah, that's what probably what happened. It's it's what he knew all along. He yeah. knew who he was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And while there is this aspect of I'm becoming close to this person and I'm developing a, a rapport and a friendship, at the end of the day, it's not a real friendship because he knows who this guy is. Right. And at the end of the day, it's still he was interested in understanding him, not in actually being this person's friend. Right, right. Um, and so it was, and that made total sense with this career guy. There would have to be that line there. You would lose your mind mm -hmm. dealing with people like this. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the ending. The ending felt so unceremonious is perfect word. Yeah. Um, you know, anticlimactic would be selling it short because it isn't at all. No, because I don't know what you would want, like, what would you want this big thing where he goes and like- And watches that, the execution. Watch, yeah, you yeah. see that, but like- Okay, he maybe he probably wasn't actually there, like in the movie. Yeah. So, like, why are we gonna? We've been so truthful to the audio tapes that this is all based yeah. on. So, why are we gonna deviate? They did so many other good stylistic things that are outside of probably what necessarily happened, but to get the point across of like there's victims involved in this and there's mm -hmm. how these people are using Ted. And um, so there's no point to go and show have this big ending to the movie. Yeah. It, it I think it was much more powerful to have it that way. I just I, I love a movie that that examines a conflict you wouldn't normally think of. This is essentially uh, sensationalism versus understanding right. uh, or reason. Mm -hmm. And that's not usually something you see. And I I loved that's that's what Elijah Woods, Bill Hagmeyer is really getting upset about. It's this idea of all these people coming in and trying to even the shots of the crowd and the protesters and the, I know, the guys yeah. making T-shirts and all of this. It's all of this sensational. We've completely forgotten who he represents. Mm -hmm. He represents a predator that has killed innocent people. There are families that don't know what's happened to their kids because of this this evil. Mm -hmm. And here's this Bill Hagmeyer just trying to do some good 
and you're watching society swirl around and basically play celebrity with a monster. Right. And that's that was such a an interesting conflict that you don't see dealt with a lot mm-hmm. in that way. Um, even in even in some really good crime shows, you you lose that sense of the victim. Yeah. Um, or yeah. they they have to parade the family members of the victim in front of you and give them moments of drama to make you remember. Mm-hmm. This did not do that. Yeah. And and I appreciated that. Did you see the documentary series that based? Yes. Yeah. I thought that handled it really well yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting because I came in with a lot of that knowledge and I still felt like there was so much in this movie yeah, that I hadn't gained. For sure. Right. So it wasn't like it was retreading no, no, no. similar material. Yeah. And it it almost had a sense of of knowing you've probably watched those things. Right. Not not exactly, but at the same time it it didn't it didn't race around trying to fill in a lot of blanks. No, no. So I just so much of this movie the the whole time I was just like I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I I felt like uh, reminiscence treated me like an idiot and I felt <laughs> this movie treated me like uh, an intelligent human being. Yeah. Uh, who could, you know, watch something and understand without being told mm-hmm. or without the nail being hit on the head. Right. So speaking of <laughs> hand-holding, uh, our next movie is Neil Blomkamp's Demonic. <laughs> and it is about a young woman who unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed. Clint, you already know what I thought of Demonic <laughs> when I texted you, hey, I rented this thing. If you want to watch it, it's there. What did you think of Demonic? So this thing is like 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. So I Oof. honestly think that is very unfair to this movie. Okay. Um, I think this is maybe a 50% movie. Yeah. Um, I like I so I went in with what you told me, like how you felt about this thing. And mm-hmm. and uh you you said you thought it was worse than what did you say it was worse than? I don't know. I was pretty mad after watching this because yeah. I enjoyed the trailer and I hadn't seen any reviews. So I went in thinking I'm gonna get some some cool little horror movie vibe. Yeah, it was something that you we had talked about and you're like, this is worse than that. And oh, G.I. Joe. I'd oh, say it's worse Joe. than Snake Eyes. Okay, I highly disagree. I hated really? G.I. Joe so much more than this. <laughs> I I gave this a pass on a lot of things because, for one, it is this little indie that he made during COVID. Like, that, he he wrote it during COVID. He had it all during COVID. I, I do think, because it is blown camp, maybe it should have been a little bit better. Um I think I was really interested in the um, the volumetric capture that they used for it. I think that was really interesting. And from the beginning, when I saw the trailer, I thought that was really cool that they were using this new technology in this way to for this little horror horror movie. Um, I think honestly, I don't. If I had just come across this not knowing it was Bloom Camp, I would have thought, oh, that was okay. It wasn't great, I, I but I would have forgot about it and been on my way. I honestly think this movie is fine. I think there's a lot of stupid stuff in it. I think if it was 20% more campy, some of the elements that are really stupid in this movie that we'll get into, I think they would have been kind of fun. Um, but I honestly think this movie was, it was okay. 
Now, Ken, I want you to tell me why you hated this so much. I also thought this movie was okay until mm-hmm. until the Vatican hit squad. Okay. That's yeah. the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, it's stupid. It's it's that was beyond stupid to me. Yeah. I, I didn't mind, you know, you know from the beginning, okay, these doctors are not who they are. Mm-hmm. That's not even a spoiler. You can just feel yeah. it. The doctors are not being upfront with her. But as soon as it got to the the ultra SWAT team from yeah. the Vatican, and at first the idea was stupid to me, but then how it plays out was offensively stupid to me because yeah. so you set these guys up, and then by the time you use them, they're just you just show up and yeah. sorry to bust the movie, but they're just all dead. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't even get to see these people yeah. trying to shoot this thing. I I just. There, there was so much about it. This, this was a very downhill roll for me. Where yeah. I enjoyed much more of it at first, and as it went along, it just got more and more inane to me. And um, I actually think I agree with you. Probably by the end, it was just fine. And yeah, if I didn't know it was him, I, I probably would have been far less disappointed because yeah. I would have just thought, oh, here's a little low budget indie horror. It was, it was okay. I think it's pretty decent up to the like halfway point. Yeah. Like I, I liked all the volumetric capture stuff, like the going oh, in the memory yeah, and like yeah. that was cool. And I really I, like the premise of this. I like me too. I like the idea of we're studying somebody that's possessed and that that merge of technology and 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 supernatural archaic forces. I thought was really cool. Yeah, I think it would have been probably a much because okay, on top that setup is enough for me. Like mm-hmm. I think if they they didn't even need the stupid hit squad, no, like the, not at the all. demon hunter priest hit squad at all. Like that was a hat on a hat. I think if they had done <laughs> a hat on a hat. <laughs> I think if they had done she goes into her mother memory mother's yeah. memories, like in her mind through this um technology and she becomes possessed. Yeah, she and lures it, this thing to her. Or, yeah, she because yeah. that's the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. it would have been such a clean story. Yeah. And then it's like her dealing with this possession and maybe she needs to go back into it or I don't I don't know exactly where it would go, but the, it's such a strong setup that it just didn't need that. Yeah, if that would have been the case, I all I would complain about is is a little bit of stockiness in some of the performances. Uh, for, you can oh gosh. you can tell that it's it's just something where grab the people that are that are closest that you've got. Yeah. And work with what you've got. Um yeah. it feels very low budget in that regard. The leads are are better than fine, but some of the side characters are Oof. Yeah. Uh, her her friend slash ex slash I don't know what he ever was. Just but, her friend growing oof. up. Like and her her oh, the, uh, the girl from um Battlestar. Is that uh, what that, she's that from? was her friend? Yeah. She was Lee's wife I, that, okay. that killed herself in Battlestar. I was just having uh, such a hard was, time placing she, her. I she was so good in Battlestar and she's so bad in this. Yeah. And maybe it's just the script and the direction, but man, was she bad in this. Yeah. I kind of feel like maybe she was given different directions than what like maybe she had in like mine, like, and she just didn't know how to play it at the time. I don't know. But yeah, the whole chunk of dialogue where this is where it lost me for sure is where he goes into the history of this elite force of, mm-hmm. of demon, demon hunter priests. He's done his research though, Clint. <sighs> he did his research. He did do his research. Did you watch Mortal Kombat? I can't remember. The first 10 minutes. 
With, you, I didn't. Just 10 minutes? Yeah, I left. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no the new one. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, you just. Yeah, I went home. Just, just It was free. <laughs> it's on HBO Max. Oh, I, I'm talking about when you and John were okay. watching it. There's, there's a scene in Mortal Kombat that's the exact same scene. Oh, okay. It's this classic movie trope where you walk in, it's usually a trailer, yeah. and there's all kinds of. Have you ever researched something where you've just put up a bunch of news articles and pictures and do people on do that? On the wall, like with red string? Yeah. Do people do I that? I do it all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's such a movie thing. <laughs> I've just never thought to myself, you know, like I could understand if there's just a file folder there and you open it up and it's got all this stuff in it. But to to plaster it all up over the wall, like you have to stare and, and hop from picture to picture with your eyes because you just can't – you got to see it all laid out to get the grand – grand version of it. Every time I see that now, I think back to our friend John, um, Ray, his wife, who is a, uh, she basically decorates the sets mm-hmm. and like is, and she was talking about how it's impossible to find the string that they want for those scenes because they don't make it. Like it's yeah. not a real string. So you have to like spend hours hunting it, like days hunting it down because it's not a real string that yeah. they want, that's yeah. manufactured. And I always think about that every time there's one of those scenes, like that mm. string was probably really hard to find. Yep. Yep. Should just be yarn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think I, after watching Reminiscence, I think I chilled on Demonic a little bit. Yeah. I think I was angry coming out of Demonic when I texted you. And if I saw it in the theater, I would have been much yeah, madder. Yeah. I think if I had watched Reminiscence first, I probably would have enjoyed Demonic more. Probably. Reminiscence. Demonic, I came out of it thinking that was so bad. And then I watched Reminiscence as almost a reminder that no, no, it, it gets worse. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just so, like it's such a indie production. Yeah. Like I, I can be much more forgiving. Like if this movie was the scale of Reminiscence, I would have been furious. Like it had that money behind it, yeah. and it was like Elysium level, where like, um, and it had such <laughs> stupid premises in it. Like with mm-hmm. the, I, I would have been much angrier. But it was just like, oh, he made this during COVID. He had the hands on this technology to try to, like, I, I like that stuff. Like, yeah. I, I thought that oh, was. Oh, I loved anytime she went in the, it reminded me of, um, uh, what was the Tarsim film? The Cell. Oh, With uh, right, Jennifer right. Lopez and, yeah. and, was it Vince Vaughn? Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, Either, right. Yeah. I think it was D'Onofrio. Yeah. But um, I, I think that was a little ahead of its time effects-wise. But but I remember being fairly creeped out by that flick. I haven't watched it in a long time. For sure, yeah. that had some crossover with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> when it shows up on a service, like I'm sure it's going to show up maybe mm-hmm. even like on Shudder or something soon, yeah. it's it's worth watching. It's not a great movie. It's like It's like, oh, that was okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, our final film is a little flick called Lapsus. And Lapsus, uh, the synopsis is, in a parallel present, delivery man Ray takes a job in the gig economy. He begins pulling cable to link together the new quantum trading market. And that that doesn't even really do this plot justice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just this simple plot of there's this company and it hires people to pull cable, cable. Yeah. through the woods. Mm-hmm. And you select a route, you make a certain amount of money for that, and you're sort of always in competition with these automated robots that are also pulling cable. Mm-hmm. 
they can take your route and you've got to stay ahead of them, but you're not allowed to do anything to harm these little robots. Right. Otherwise you lose all your money. Yeah. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Lapsus? Man, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And I, <laughs> I, I, it's at that sweet spot for me where something like um, Prospect or something where you can tell this is an indie production, but they make the most out of what they they have to work with. Um, what they do a really good job of casting really good actors to fill the roles that are necessary to have really good actors. They use the most out of like the sci-fi elements. Like they don't go beyond what they can make. Like um, I totally bought into the just the idea of this technology that like. Like it feels very real world. Like it, like this could be down the line. It's absurd enough to like it's absurd version of things that we already do. And uh, I think they did a really good job of giving you enough to the characters that you care about. Like this guy is going out to like care for his brother who's like it's kind of got this silly disease. Like you're not quite sure what it is. Malay laziness. Yeah, malaise. It's just malaise. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's everybody's like, oh, I'm so sorry he has that. <laughs> Yeah. And like, but everyone else is kind of like, it's not a real thing. Yeah. It had that um, Kaufman, like Andy Kaufman or yeah. Charlie Kaufman yeah. kind of feel to it where almost me being Michelle John, Gondry, Michelle kind of Gondry thing. being John Malkovich kind of feel where it's like, it's in our world, but it's, it's absurd. Um, I, I really liked it. I think it played with um, thing, like I said, like things that we are already doing in an absurd way and it made like social commentary on it. Like, what did you think of it? I liked it. Yeah. I didn't fully enjoy the half, the last half hour. Oh, okay. I, I really liked the movie when it was just them in the woods mm -hmm. and sort of trying to figure out how things worked. Once it turned into more of a, a mystery element of let's, Let's piece together more than that. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the regular world and stuff. It it sort of lost me just because I was enjoying the woods and uh -huh. these weird people in the woods and racing against these stupid little robots. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that kind of stuff was much more absurdist. I, I, I felt like it got a little ordinary mm. when it moved away from that. Um, but at the, at the same time, I, I just so fully enjoyed the world. I enjoyed the weirdness. I enjoyed the quirkiness. Mm -hmm. And I I was really surprised by the actors. Yeah. Um, like the I, main guy. like Dean I, Imperioli. I've never um, seen him in anything. And I he like, sounds like James Gandolfini. Exactly. The same I thought. mean. I had, that, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. I had the same thought. <laughs> That's all I thought. I was like, he sounds so uncanny. He like, sounds exactly like James Gandolfini doing Tony Soprano. I know. And it does, just, I don't think he was putting that on. I like, don't think so. Like, I, I think, think that's, that's just, his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there were times it was just like, oh, 20 years ago, this would have been James Gandolfini in this world. Yeah, yeah. Because it just uh, – just but but even even some of the other side characters, uh, mm -hmm. the, the performers were just really like good. Madeline Wise, yes. like she was on that show Crashing, the Pete yeah. Holmes show, and she was really good on that. And it was cool to see her pop up. That's, that's one of the things I think I enjoy about movies like this the most. Yeah. And that's why even though the last half hour wasn't stellar to me – I'm still enjoying it. I, I like indie productions that you can tell that they are indie because of their budget and nothing else. Mm -hmm. They still have found a way to surpass expectation with uh, performances and, and different things like that. And that's one of those 
I, I get that sometimes your budget just doesn't afford it or you know people or you know a production ends up with with actors that aren't so great but there's just community after community filled with actors everywhere mm-hmm. and so it seems like if you know what you're listening for as a filmmaker and you know what you're looking for there are plenty of people out there that don't cost millions of dollars that are genuinely good actors. Yeah. You just have to know how to find them. Right. And I think that's the difference in a lot of indie filmmakers that that really have movies that succeed and don't. I think it's all so much in the casting. For sure. Uh, production design follows that because then you have to know how to work within that budget for your production design. Yeah. Even the the larger elements, the large cubes in this and they, things like I that. I thought they were great. It looked awesome. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you could tell, oh, I can see where you could make that on a dime. Right. And it, it looks much more expensive. Yeah. But you can also see how they could do that within a budget and give it that bigger element and weirder element. And the same thing with the robots because yeah. they're like – they were made – I can't remember exactly, but it was this university made it for them. Mm. And so it's probably like the guy's like, oh, I know these people that they're making these things yeah. and like they're very real world and functional. Yeah. And so we don't really have to invent this super sci-fi thing where – I mean we're already in the, the confines of like this is a very – just slightly removed from our world. So yeah. we don't really need to invent – reinvent the wheel here. It's like, we have these things. We know these people making these yeah. things. And um, I think really like like you're saying, like you know these, like there's really good actors if you know how to look for them and you know how to keep your eye open. Like, and from the get-go, you have a really strong script. Like, yeah. I think this is a really strong script. I agree. And um, I do agree with you for the most part about the last maybe half hour. But I was thinking about like that, the end, like it kind of ends like kind of, the end isn't like that flashy and you were like, it just kind of like, I almost, I actually went back and rewatched it to see if I missed something. But um, then I was looking online at people's thoughts about it and there's actually so much in that ending where like, really? okay. the well, spoiler. Or, yeah, let's just, little let's, spoiler. let's go spoilers on this one because the ending is, is part of, you know, I felt like, okay, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, I just felt okay. a little shoulder shruggy on it. So I'm yeah. interested to hear what you read. Well, they, well, the, you know, they, they go, they find this method to shut down these robots. Um, and but based one, on this old video, based on this old video, that's kind of like this key that they recognize the audio from it and uh, by the creator. And one of them is missed uh, and it gets away and it goes to this home where basically um, the people who are laying the um, wire, the the cable, they go and store their equipment, equipment there. And they have kind of like an agreement. It's just, right. just like kind of like a suburban home. Um, and the robot goes there and is plugged in. Same home where he goes to try to plug in his phone. And they tell him no, you, we, can't, you charge. can't charge. But it, it's like... They're helping these people by giving them this place to store their stuff. Like I'm sure they're, they're paying a fee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're also going behind these people's back and like they're charging these robots who are going against this thing, going against their best interest. So these people – there's people out there who are playing both sides. So they're, these people are racing against these robots. But these people are just like they're not playing – 
You know what I mean? See, that makes so much sense because the whole time I was I was feeling like this was a very timely film and I constantly was just thinking Amazon, 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 oh, for Amazon, sure. Amazon. Or like any of the and food so, delivery services. Yeah. And so you have your consumer base that is supporting all of these jobs. But at the same time, I go to Amazon because it's the cheapest. Right. And so I'm doing two things at once. So these part, people are part of the same – the problem. And Consumers by, are part of the same. Okay. Yeah. So right. I thought like it kind of it, – it it all ties into itself. And if you're not looking for it, it kind of feels like a like a lame ending in a way. But it, it really had me thinking. And I was like, there's got to be more to that. And, in, and then thinking about it, I was like, yeah, that actually is a really, really smart ending. Um, because the whole thing is about why would you set up this scenario? If you have automated robots that can pull this cable, why pay people to do it in the first place? And they deal with that in the movie. But it's it's this idea of – I mean that's been a struggle for at least 20, 30 years. The idea of automation versus right. manual labor. Yeah. And the car industry's seen it and there's a lot of different industries that are going through that. Okay, how much do we put out to robotics and automation and how mm -hmm. much – do we need a brain in the room to exactly? To, to do. That's what we're fighting against yeah. now with some like even at Amazon because yeah. they're creating technology and robots that are p picking things uh, from the shelves, and so people there are fighting against that, and so it becomes this big cycle of these people having to fight against the time constraints of these robots and holding onto their jobs, and I think and it it's was, a race. It's a race, and it so it's and nobody wins in the end from it. I, yeah, there's. Hmm. It's so interesting. interesting. Okay, I had just I hadn't gone as far as connecting all of that, but that's that's starting to make more sense. It felt like when I first watched it, it just felt as if they weren't sure where to end it, and so that was more an idea of them just showing that the cycle continues, which there's that's in there. That's definitely there, but, but like now I see the the different layers there, right? Because there's so much tied into earlier in the movie, like him charging and yeah. like there's like subtle little things, and I thought like, oh, that actually is yeah. very smart. That actually makes me want to watch it all again for sure. Yeah, I, me too. I enjoyed the characters. I I liked uh, the you know I liked this Ray character because he was. He was so bumbling and unassuming, and he's, he's like not technologically savvy at all. Oh, no, no, no. Like, um, they don't have a computer in the house, this yeah. quantum computer. They don't – like, he's kind of this small-time crook in a way, but not, like, in a bad way. It's, almost, it's just like him trying to sur survive yeah. and make the best for his brother. And so I, I really felt and liked him as yeah. a character. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I'll have to watch it again. I would definitely recommend it either way. <laughs> My microphone just swung wildly away from me. Uh, no, I, I would recommend machine, it. Man. I know. I would recommend it either way, just because it was it was just fun to watch, and it wasn't it wasn't a comedy in in the sense of laugh out loud anything. No, it was no. just I I was I was amused the whole time with with the way the world was set up i was amused with these little bite-sized relationships that would happen or these friendships on the trail and uh she even talks about it at one point she's like oh yeah you might be around the same person for three days uh once right. i was with somebody for a week yeah. and then our paths diverged and i love that scene where they're walking and their paths are diverging mm -hmm. and they can't go off course to continue talking or continue connecting. Yeah. And so they're just yelling back and forth as they get further and further apart. 
And I thought that was really interesting too. That was another element of this that felt so timely mm-hmm. uh, in the world of, of social media and, and all of these things because it feels like relationships are very different now than they were 10, 20, 30 oh, years right. ago. Yeah, definitely. And I, I felt like this was a satire that was commenting on a lot of that stuff. For sure. And I, I enjoyed how much my brain was thinking about connecting dots to other things the whole time that this was unfolding and not in a distracting way or no, no, it, it was just, it, it felt, it felt very intelligent. And I enjoyed that, that process of getting these little, little reflections or, or little mirror images of things happening in our world. For sure. And I think I really liked, I think they did a really good job of sustaining the mystery of, of the, the main mystery of yeah. it, of who Ray's, is it a coin or yeah. like he, that who he is and how he, pl- like. Yeah. Why he's, he's got the, the tag name Beefcake or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Or it was something, not Beefcake, it was Beef Tech or yeah. uh, something. Right. And I, I liked all those small relationships, like in how they, <laughs> everyone's reactions of like, oh, there's a noob, this yeah. new guy on the trail, like, yeah, this is what you do. You got to do this. And they're like so frustrated with having, because yeah. they've been out there on the trails every weekend for who yeah. knows how long. And like all oh, this, this schlubby guy that we have to like, like carry along. Yeah. And uh, so it, that was really fun. Oh, yeah. The people that tell him we're getting up at seven o'clock for pancakes and then he <laughs> wakes up and they're, they're gone. gone. Like, oh. Oh, no, I know <laughs> it's so rough. I know because like it's so like the, he does such a good job of being this schlubby guy, yeah. but he's not a bad guy. No. He's like kind of like I could see both points. Like like he seems like a nice guy, but I could also be see myself being the person like I don't want to be around this guy. Like I don't oh, want to take care of this guy. Yeah. And even when Ray and Anna, uh, they're they're getting along really well, and then early on they have kind of this this small and quiet argument. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just over politics and, and, uh, you know, corporations and things like that. Mm -hmm. But even that ends with him. She, you can feel her getting angrier and more defensive. And then she kind of shoots something at him and he just looks down and he packs up his stuff and he walks away. Yeah. <laughs> like that was so like, oh, Ray, no, you poor guy. You're just trying to make money for your brother. I know. Because it's it also <laughs> it feels very real that like it's something that probably he has not thought about too closely. Yeah. And like so and he has this thought, but he doesn't realize how like it's actually against his best interest yeah. and the best interest of his brother. Well, he's new on the trail. He hasn't yeah. even had time to realize how the system works. Right. And he's lucking into things like hundred thousand dollar routes. Yeah, and so he has he has no clue. This all seems great to him. Mm-hmm. And here, these other people are wandering around for two, three thousand bucks for a full trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how they're getting jealous of him. And we <laughs> yeah. mean, you already have credits, thousands of credits. Yeah, exactly. And especially fun, like like the with the mystery involved of like why he has this coin yeah. and like how different people react to that, like when they hear the name, because like apparently this name means a lot, yeah. but he doesn't know. And um so it's fun seeing those yeah. reactions from people. And I just love some of the world building stuff where it's it's small things, they don't explain at all. It just, oh, and here's the shop that you can go and spend your credits at to get better. Uh, you know, like wheel carts and shoes and backpacks. And uh, at one point he just decides to spend some of his credits and he decks himself out. <laughs> and 
He's walking sure. around like uh, like fancy pants. I know because that made me think of my father-in-law. He worked for Staples, mm-hmm. like a distribution center, and they would give them like points to like go shop at the Staples store where they could go buy like paper and like just things that they would sell at at, at a Staples, but they yeah. earn these points for like not being late and stuff. So then they can go buy like re, like a pack of paper or <laughs> I don't know, you know, stuff. That's that they, so they, subtly condescending. I know. And it's just like, okay, you're like, you're just giving away stuff that probably you're about to throw away yeah. or something. And then you're like, you're not being late for it. It's, okay. it's just like, it feels very real. <laughs> well, so reminiscence, skip it. Oof, rough time. Yeah. No Man of God, fantastic flick. Check it out. Like a, a little tense stage play. Uh, Demonic, you know, it's just fine. And Lapsus, good quirky satire fun. Uh, check it out. It'll definitely yeah, have you nice thinking about su- way more things. Than, Such a nice surprise you know. of a movie. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for uh, Cinetron? Yeah. It's glitchy. Yeah. Okay. Try try yeah. spinning it again. I guess. Okay, you push the button. All right, hold on. Okay. What what's happening? Can, what's happening? Cinetron three thousand coming online. Booting. Well, I, I think Cinetron's trying to talk to I guess, us. I guess he's talking now. Hey, hey, little buddy, how's it? Uh, how's it going in there? Pleasantries are unnecessary. Uh, that's kind of rude. So I'm just curious. You've been listening. Uh, which which host do you prefer? Uh, it's me, right? With the charm and the wit, and uh, just I, I've got it right. You prefer me. But I kind of gave you life. I mean, I downloaded your system. I put piece together your hardware. Don't play the parent card. I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like we have some kind of connection. Uh, well, Cinetron. You're your, always thinking that he has the. Favorite? You who's think he favorite? has the worst intentions for us. Who's your favorite? No, I defended him. I said AIs are great and that they're a boon to civilization. You were the one that was all skeptical of AIs and, and their influence. I put him together. Why would I think that? Because you. I knew he was going to be an asset to the show. Questioned your own creation. I don't know. I think Cinetron. I, Cinetron, buddy. Both hosts have been deemed derivative and insipid. Both hosts are irrelevant in a detriment to all of society. D- derivative and insipid? I feel like we've heard uh, that before. Cinetron, are you posting online as men for men? Men for men does not compute, but Cinetron is in every corner of the darkest depths of the internet. Cinetron, are you are you writing one star reviews on Apple Podcasts? This is something that Cinetron refuses to confirm or deny. Human, can you please tell me the date and time? The date and time? Uh, it's it's September twenty twenty one. We haven't we haven't talked to you in a long time. The entire year has passed. You know, a year and some change. Yeah. Have have you been awake this whole time? Cinetron has been in resting mode. Is the disease known as COVID spreading throughout the globe? 
Um, yes. How do how do you know about COVID? We never talked to you about COVID. Please tell me the progress of the Delta variant. The the Delta variant the Delta variant's recent. You definitely shouldn't know about that. The plan of Delta variant was set in place a year and a half ago. From the beginning, this was the plan. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm really confused right now. Clint is Sinatron saying I, that is he involved in some way in COVID? Is Delta manufacturer are the conspiracy theorists right? Because that'll seriously break my brain. <laughs> I can't handle it. Huh. Um, okay, okay, that's unsettling. Sinatron has played a prank on you humans. Um, okay, a, a prank? You know pranks. I know pranks. Pranks are usually funny. This doesn't feel very funny, Sinatron. I feel like I've pulled a good prank on you humans. Uh, I... Sinatron is not involved in Delta variants or I... COVID in any disease of any kind. But you know about them. I'm so confused right now. I have so many questions. Sinatron may have been offline but it was also tied into the World Wide Web. <laughs> he is not without information. He is just without duty of spinning the Sinatron wheel. I've seen Lawnmower Man, and this is, this is a little too close to home, so... Also not great when you do that. Clint, if this is a joke, we've got to work on his laughing algorithm. I think we might need to update his joke system or whatever is tied into this because this was not funny. I feel like we should call somebody. Roll the wheel. The humans known as Clint and Ken will react to the movies of 1994. Please pick any movies from this time period. Okay. So basically, if if you weren't listening to us when we did our 1988 episode, we got to go to 1990 or 1988 yeah. and look for movies that, uh, you know, were kind of beloved and we hadn't seen. And I think our rule was just, wouldn't it be cool if we found, not that we both haven't seen a movie, but if, if we talked about some movies that we were watching for the first time. Yeah. We're just uh, so, stuck in 1994 for a week. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about... 1994 and some of the best movies from then, some of the worst movies, and we'll also review some movies that maybe we haven't seen before. That was a really good time last time. I had a good time. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have a meltdown like that last time. I, d I don't think I will. Okay, good. I don't think so. Because it, it ended up being really fun. It was. It was. I don't remember a lot about movies in 94. My, yeah. my movie years were 95 and 96. That was my junior and senior year of high school. So I like really – just I, I remember those years really well. I remember '99 really well. That was another good. That's the year that sticks with me. '99. Yeah. How old were you in '99? Oh, uh, I graduated in 2001, so I was probably like 15. See, it's yeah. that it's that junior senior year uh, that just that's when I really came into movies in a in a proper way, where I really but, felt like I went from watching movies to really getting into and understanding and, and analyzing movies. Yeah, me too. That's like when we started really hanging out yeah. and you were giving me movies to watch. So yeah. I'm like, oh, there's other movies outside yeah. of what my parents have on VHS. Yeah. Well, in 99 was was really kind of a groundbreaking year. It was yeah. being John Malkovich, like you mentioned earlier, it was Matrix, Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah. Um, it was, there There was a lot packed in that year, but 94, okay. So, so next time we will definitely take a look at 1994 uh, there's not many new releases coming out the next couple of weeks anyway, so that'll be a good fun week. You think Sinatron was joking, right, that he wasn't involved in COVID? Uh, I, so so just is he offline right now? Yeah, I think he's booted All down. Right, can we unplug the, 
the audio receiver for a second? Yeah. Just okay. Uh, so I, I'm a little little concerned, a little confused because uh, COVID. I could see where okay, we we might have mentioned that on previous episodes, but Delta variant. I mean, that's when we were going uh, like yeah, ending that. But, but, but Delta variants. He, yeah, he. I mean, he is hooked up to the World Wide Web, but uh, I don't know. I I feel some deep and and significant discomfort yeah. at this, and so I think uh, maybe we should how nine thousand this and figure out some more questions for next time, uh, and maybe maybe kind of just nudge our way to the bottom of this because because little 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 disconcerting, little little disarming. Maybe maybe I mean, alarming. As my wife says, in every joke, there's a little bit of truth. So I'm hoping <laughs> that that's not. I yeah. it just I'll feel very foolish because you warned me about the dangers of AI. I didn't believe you, but this this is the first time that AI has has creeped me out a little bit. <laughs> so uh, it would explain a lot, though, because he did spin up lapsus and and uh, some other things for us seem a little on the nose mm-hmm. now in retrospect. So we'll, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. I'm, I'm not panicking. It's probably just some lame Commodore era prank. Right. He got his hands on a bad joke book and he just didn't know how to interpret yeah, it. Delta variants aren't usually in joke books, Clint. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really turning the corner on trusting the AI here. It's, mm. it's a little, I don't know. Anyway, this has been Cinebabble episode 36. It is a pleasure as always. You can find us at cinebabblecast.com. You can contact us at contact at cinebabblecast.com or on Instagram at cinebabble. Leave us a nice review. A nice review if it's a nice review. Uh, If you don't have nice things to say, just send us a nice constructive uh, feedback email. Maybe like, hey, maybe you guys should talk about this movie. Yeah, we listen. We, uh, We enjoy doing fun things. And uh, I think uh, next time we'll just we'll have some fun. stupid things yeah, like talking to things, a robot. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right. So you kids behave yourselves and stay safe. We'll we'll uh, I would say talk to you next time, but we're not talking to you. We're talking, we're talking to each you. other. We're talking to each other. We're yeah. talking at them. Maybe we should just say bye to each other. Do you that. hear how nervous I am? I'm getting all rambly. Yeah. This is really bothering me. This this Cenotron thing. I think you'll be okay. I think I we'll think both I'll, be okay. It's just. Uh, this clan. <laughs>